This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is a super cool episode, or at least it is for me, because I am talking to my aunt. Yes, Trish is my aunt. I really consider her more of a friend than an aunt. Like she doesn't give off aunt vibes, if you know what I mean. So when we lived in Sudbury, we would go for lunch, we would go shopping together, go to yoga together. It's funny because when I was in undergrad going to Laurentian in Sudbury, for one summer, I babysat my cousin, who is Trisha's daughter, when she was six months old. So that was like my first experience with having to take care of a baby. I think I would have been early 20s at that point, and I must say it was a fabulous form of birth control because, look, I didn't have Milo till I was like 35. Because let's be honest, taking care of a baby is super hard. I remember every morning I would pick up an extra large coffee from Tim Hortons before I would go babysit, and we spent the days together. We would go for walks, and anyways, now my cousin is a teenager, so... Time flies. Trish is a registered nurse. She is also trained in injectables. So that is Botox and filler, which we are going to be talking about today. If you are in the Sudbury area and you are looking for someone to, you know, do some skincare stuff with, maybe you want to try Botox, definitely check her out. Her Instagram is at Revivetality. I will have the link to that in the episode notes. On top of the Botox, she also does the peels, microdermabrasion, microneedling, all that kind of stuff, which next time I visit Sudbury, which is hopefully soon, I cannot wait to try one of those things. I'll see what works best for my skin, but yeah, I've always wanted to try something like that because I've only ever really done a spa facial, so just like you know, soft exfoliating, the creams and stuff, and I don't really enjoy them. I'm not really a fan of people touching my face. Like, ask my husband. I freak out when he touches my face. I hate it. And so I find when I'm getting a facial at a spa, I'm laying on the bed just 
having anxiety while people are like rubbing my face. And I know it's supposed to be a relaxing experience, but it's not. So if I can do something that is good for my skin and going to have, you know, nice outcomes and it's more like a procedure as opposed to, oh, you should sit here and relax. I think I would enjoy that more. In this episode, we get into what exactly is Botox? How much does it cost? What can you do with it? What are some complications? Also, she explains the history of how Botox started to be used cosmetically. I had no idea. So that was kind of interesting. And it was also a physician in Canada that started using it for that purpose. Then we get into fillers, something that I am still debating whether or not I want to try because when I see the before and afters on Instagram, I'm in shock. Like when done by somebody who is well-versed in this area and has had lots of practice, the transformations can be phenomenal. And for me specifically, after I had Milo, I found under my eyes became so hollow. I always say like when I pushed Milo out, did I also push out all the collagen in my face? Because my face just kind of sunk a little bit. My eyes like sunk in. So now that I have the hollow under my eyes, my cheeks look more puffy. I don't know. It's just a whole thing. So when I see people that do the before and after of the filler underneath the eyes, it's amazing to me. I'm just a little bit scared of the complications that can happen because even though the severe complications are rare, it's still scary to think, like, I'm going to go do something that I don't necessarily need. It's more of just an appearance thing. And here are the potential things that could happen. So we get into that discussion as well, what the complications are, what exactly is filler? What are the different kinds? How much does it cost? How long do these things last? Because I think so many people are curious about these things, but you know, we don't take the time to go make an appointment with someone and ask the proper questions. So we just kind of shy away from it. I've been open about my use of Botox. I absolutely love Botox. I've only had it maybe three or four times, but I love it. I will probably continue to get it for the foreseeable future. I talk a lot about my experience with that in this episode as well. So if you're curious about these things, this is the episode for you. If you have additional questions, feel free to go to Trisha's Instagram account, shoot her a message. I'm sure she would be happy to respond. So without further ado, please welcome Trish LaFontasy, my aunt, to the mom room. So today we're talking about Botox and filler. I have gotten Botox a few times and every time I story about it on Instagram, people ask me about it. And I think it's something that not a lot of people talk about or disclose if they get Botox or fillers. So people are very curious about it because we hear about celebrities getting it. And so people are like, hmm, like what actually is that? And how does it work? What does it cost? Like so many questions. So to start, we will just talk a little bit about what Botox is specifically. Botox is a neuromodulator. It is something that's been on the market for for several years, I think going into like 20 years. And it was used originally for muscle spasms. So even children with CP or cerebral palsy, it was used to treat spasticity, cervical dystonia. 
and disorders of the eye like strabismus. So that's originally what it was marketed for. And it was a Canadian ophthalmologist named Jean Carruthers. I think she was out West somewhere. Her husband was a dermatologist, I believe. So she was injecting somebody with Botox for an eye disorder. And the woman said, oh, put a little bit right here because it really helps with my lines. And she's like, what? (laughs) So her husband being a dermatologist, I guess she presented that to him and they kind of did a trial and that's how Botox started aesthetically. There are four different types of Botox and there really is no difference in them. One has zero like proteins in it. So one wouldn't develop immunity to it. So there's Botox, Dysport, uh, Zeoman, and I think it's called Juvo, which I never used, but they pretty much have all the same properties and and used are used the same way and provide the same results. So it is actually a toxin that you put into the muscle that stops the muscle from moving or being able to move. You've got your muscle, you've got your your neuromuscular junction, which releases acetylcholine to stimulate that muscle contraction. What Botox does is it blocks the acetylcholine from stimulating that muscle. So, I mean, the amount that, that is used for aesthetic treatments is really much less than what it was originally manufactured for. So it, it, it's such uh, small doses. There are some, you know, some groups out there that that say that it's it's toxic and it's caused different problems. But in all of the studies and the education that I've received, there's never been anybody, any physician saying, yes, there are serious long-term effects. So that's just what I've learned. A fun fact. So Pre, my husband, is a urologist, if those listening don't know, and he uses Botox for bladder issues. So some people have bladder spasms. Because I remember we were at a dinner somewhere and there was a guy, he was the Botox rep. And I was like, why is he here? And he's like, because we use Botox in the bladder. And I was like, oh, we should be friends with this guy. (laughs) Get all the free Botox. I always tell Pre, like, get the training and then we can get the Botox and you can do it for me. But he doesn't want to. No, Uh, he doesn't. eh? (laughs) So Botox, how long does it typically last? And are there differences? I've heard before that it lasts different amounts for different people and it depends on how quickly you metabolize it in your body. Is that accurate? Most of my patients, I tell them like it's it, it can last anywhere from two to six months. Really, it depends what you do too. Like here's an example: I had a I had a, a client who worked outdoors, so this person was outside all the time in the sun and didn't wear sunglasses because liked to get sun. This person came to see me two months after this person was treated and said, like, it's worn off. And I said, what do you do for a living? And found out outside all the time, constantly squinting. Like you're, if you're sitting in an office, you're not squinting like this all the time. So I said, well, you know, it's, it's worn out for that reason. So get some sunscreen, wear some sunglasses, put a hat on, you know, and try to refrain from overworking those muscles when you're at work. So it really depends. But most people get a good effect from the Botox from three to six months, really. 
And I would say like, I notice right away when it's starting to, it's not like you have it one day and then the next day it's all gone. It slowly, slowly wears away. So like, I'll start to notice in certain spots on my forehead that like, oh, it's wearing off. But then it's tricky too, because I'll get wrinkles coming back or movement coming back in a specific spot on my forehead. So I want to go get it again, but then it's like, I don't necessarily need it everywhere again, right? So sometimes I kind of wait until it's a little more worn off. Like, what do you recommend? Yeah, that's a good thing to do because you don't want to be going back and saying, oh, I've got a spot two months after you've had it. Like you really, you really should be, you should notice the full effects of Botox about two weeks after you have the treatment. And that's when you should be going back to your injector. If you notice, say, say you've got a little bit of drop in the brow and you want to balance that out, or you see a little bit more wrinkles in an area that may, that the, that the Botox probably didn't hit. So, so that's when you want to go back, but I wouldn't be going back every month. If you're noticing something, you know, like wait it out and, and go back your usual time when you truly need a full treatment. So. I know for me, it's like, as soon as I see movement, it's always like right here that comes back. So like my upper forehead and because that's like the strongest area and I probably use that the most, but as soon as you're used to having Botox, it's phenomenal. Like I love it. So (laughs) as soon as you're used to that, like not having like your face just always looks relaxed and you don't have those lines and then you see movement, you're like, God damn it. Like... (laughs) Like, why is my forehead moving? (laughs) And I'm sure like the average person doesn't see themselves as much as you being a social media personality. So you probably see yourself a lot, right? But the average person doesn't see themselves that much. So it's it's less noticeable. So I could see how that would drive you a bit batty. What are some things, and I'm also curious about this because we're going to talk about what you can do with Botox cosmetically. So what kinds of things it can do, because I think a lot of people assume that it can just reduce lines or wrinkles, but I've heard of all kinds of things like eyebrow lifts. Someone the other day was mentioning the gummy smile. Like I was like, what? It can do all this. So let's talk about these things that it can do. Okay, we'll we'll start from up here to here. Okay, so your your frontalis muscle or those wrinkles, and I'm going to get I'm going to use my hands here just to kind of demonstrate. So those wrinkles across the frontalis, they call the the frown lines, your eleven lines, or the resting bitch face. So you can treat the procerus and the corrugators in here. You can also get into the crow's feet. You can do a bit of a brow lift. Here. You have to be, be very careful with balancing because some people have heavy lids, you know, so you don't want to really drop the, the forehead too much if they've got a heavy lid because you're just adding to that heavy lid, right? So it's, it's really an art in a sense because trying to find that balance you can treat the, they call, we call it the bunny lines. So when you have that crinkle, crow's feet, which tend to extend, you get that from, from the smiling, those static lines from smiling. The gummy, the gummy smile, we can do a little bit of Botox in here, which lifts the, the nose a bit. The base of the nose? Yeah. So that's where it goes to prevent like your lip from tucking under? 
No, it's on this side. So that muscle is the uh, levator labide superioris muscle, which kind of extends from up here down to here. So you treat that muscle and that stops that lift from happening when you smile. It's amazing. Like when you, if you got that treated, do you have a gummy smile? I'm not sure. Yeah. Like all of a sudden my lip turns under and it's driving me crazy. So next time you go back to your injector, maybe ask her about that and see if try it out, you know? So there's that, there's your masseters, but some clinicians treat the masseters for TMJ, but a cosmetic treatment of the masseters is more so to kind of thin the jaw a little bit because those muscles, if you're a grinder or if you're clenching your jaw a lot, those muscles can get quite strong and really add a lot of sort of thickness or to your face. So there's that. You can do a lip flip or some people maybe who are smokers have smoker lines or a barcode on top of the lip. So you can put a little bit of meticulously placed Botox in that top lip. You go a little bit above the lip to help with relaxing those lines, but you can also go a little bit at the vermilion border where the the white of the skin meets the pink of the lip. You get a little bit of a lip lift with that one to two millimeters, which is a really nice treatment as well. As we get older, we tend to have a little bit of downturning here. So you can actually, there's a muscle that runs here that we can treat. Is that called jowls? Yes. That's the concern though, you know, and that's why you got, you got to know what you're treating and what the impact is of that treatment. So sometimes if you're treating the masseters that relaxes that muscle, that can also create a little bit of drop and increase the size of the jowls. So it's finding that fine balance, right? So you don't just want to go in to see someone and be like, I want to get Botox. Like you need to be specific on what is bothering you so that they can figure out what to do. Exactly. Exactly. You can treat the platysmal bands. Necklines? or Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and any muscle that runs vertically tends to cause horizontal lines, right? So your frontalis, top of the head, runs vertically, but when you're moving that muscle, it causes horizontal lines. So same within the neck. So if you treat the platysmal bands, I think that was one of the questions about how to treat necklines. So, so there's your platysmal bands as well. I'm just trying to think if I missed anything. Nasal flaring. So if you have a real, some people have nasal flaring. I'm not sure if you know what I mean by that, where your, your, your nares open up quite wide with certain expressions. So you can also treat that to stop the nasal flaring. It's really a wonder drug. It can, it can do so much and it really makes you feel good, you know? What I loved, because I probably carry a lot of tension in my face, because I do in my jaw. So just the fact that my face felt so relaxed all the time, I loved that. I could walk outside and I want to squint, but my whole face wasn't affected. Like just my eyes were squinting, which was such a big difference. Yeah. And the nice thing about it too, like they're, they're with aesthetic treatment of Botox, they're recognizing that it's having more different effects that they never really thought of. Like at a micro level, for example, like the production of oil from or sebum from your, from your skin, from your oil glands, that even minimizes with the use of Botox. So, and hyperhidrosis, so it can be used as well for excessive sweating of the palms, under the arms. It can be used for treatment of migraines. There's just so many ways that this medication 
could be used. And I would recommend finding a good injector, finding somebody who is reputable, who's educated, who's licensed, who is maybe continuing ongoing education, check out their social media. You want to see maybe reviews. So a lot of times word of mouth is, is a good way to find somebody that, because you can see if it's a friend that has went to that person, you can see, oh, yeah, you look good. You look natural. You know, I want to go to your who you're seeing. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Milo used to always want pancakes or waffles in the mornings, and now he is getting into cereal, and I'm so excited because Magic Spoon is the perfect option. Their variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. They have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four to five grams of carbs per serving. They're made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and I'm just so happy that he's getting a good amount of protein before he goes off to school. And it's a great snack for me and my husband too, because 13 to 14 grams of protein in the cereal, now you add a high protein milk, you're set. That is such a high protein snack or meal. I should also mention that it is gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash momroom to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code momroom at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. So try a delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash momroom and use the code momroom to save $5. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. It is 2024. As busy parents, it's hard to completely overhaul our lives, but what we can do is make small changes that will make our lives easier. And that is where Little Spoon comes in. Their goal is to make keeping your kid healthy feel like the easiest part of your day so that you can cut through all the drama of mealtime. Little Spoon offers baby blends, biteables, and plates. So baby blends is fresh, organic baby food. They have single ingredients, but also multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. Biteables make the transition to finger foods easy because they are cut perfectly to size, which promotes self-feeding. And of course, all the Biteables are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. And then there are plates for your toddlers and your bigger kids. They are meals that are free of all the bad stuff. They taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. They have things like hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous things like pot stickers, gnocchi, and more. Little Spoon also has smoothies and build-it-yourself lunches. Did I mention it all comes right to your door? It is super flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. You can pick up the menu and change up what you order every single time. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You and your kids will love it. It's a huge win-win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. 
Okay, let's talk a little bit about complications from Botox that can happen. I remember because I initially wanted Botox and to get filler under the eye. I find after I had Milo, it's like my eye sockets just like concaved and all of a sudden it's like, I don't know how you would describe that, but like... Uh, just a hollow. Hollow, yeah. Like a hollow eyes. So uh, that's initially what I went for. And then I was reading over all the complications of filler, which we'll get into eventually, which scared me. So I haven't gotten filler yet. Not to say that I won't ever try it, but I just haven't yet. But what are some of the complications of Botox? Clearly, it didn't scare me enough to, <laughs> to not get it. There's complications, but it's also so rare. But it's like anything, they have to tell you all the complications. So it's kind of like nerve wracking when you hear it. I think a majority of complications from Botox are injection in which kind of infiltrates into a muscle that you don't want it to go to. So that's why your injector really knows, needs to know the facial anatomy, needs to know where, where the medication is going to infiltrate, right? Really, in my experience, and I'm not, I've only been injecting for three years. I've been a nurse for 30 years, but I've been injecting for three. I read up on anything new that uh, comes out. I just try to keep myself in the loop and current. For the most part, what you see is sometimes Botox infiltrating in and the muscle that actually controls the lid and causes atosis of the lid. That's something you do not want. There's actually a girl in social media right now. She's an influencer. So that's what happened to her. She, I believe, went back to her injector after a short amount of time, I think five days or something. And, and where the touch-up happened, it infiltrated into that muscle that controls the lid and she ended up with a ptosis. And She's trying a number of different things. Unfortunately, it's waiting. It's a waiting game, right? Waiting it out. But that's really, in my experience, the, the seriousness of complications ha has to do with just atosis, right? And, and dropping of the brow. Sometimes if you're trying to do treat the gels here, if you get there, there's a bunch of different muscles that are kind of interconnected in the jawline here. And sometimes you can miss that muscle and cause a little bit of a droop of the lip. So it's, it's, it's just knowing the anatomy of the face and the amount of start low, go slow, the amount of medication that you're using. It's basically just Botox ending up where you didn't want it to be. And so Again, if there is a complication like the girl on Instagram whose eye, it's basically like her eye, like she doesn't have control over it anymore. So it's completely drooped down. But that eventually, just like any Botox that you put anywhere, will metabolize in her body and go away eventually. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. And the riskiest areas for Botox, would you say around the eye because of that? No, because when I was educated, like there's a lot of education about where you should be injecting in that area. So waiting that appropriate amount of time before you do a touch up. There's things that you, you need to know to, in order to avoid that complication. I have a question. If you do a touch up too soon after, like you were saying that girl went back five days after. So if you do it too soon, it can be too much in one location. And is that why it can go somewhere where it shouldn't be? 
No, not necessarily. It could be just where, where the, the product was placed. And then you, you're having to deal with asymmetries then, right? So you're better to wait the two weeks, do a proper evaluation after two weeks of post-treatment and, and then figuring out, okay, this is where we need to touch up. A lot of people ask what it costs because, again, people don't really talk about it and people want to know this. And it's all about the unit, right? So Botox is priced per unit. So depending on how much you want to do in your face, it's either going to be more expensive or less expensive. I've only done around my eyes, my forehead, and in between my eyebrows. And it's usually about $550. And I get 55 units. Okay. You're paying anywhere from $8 a unit to say $15 a unit in Ontario. Some places in the States, I've heard that they can charge up to $30 a unit, which is crazy. But I guess depending on who's injecting you as well, right? So there's that cost. And some some places actually charge by the treatment. So if you're going in just for a gummy smile treatment, they're not going to charge you uh, 20 bucks to do that. Some places will, because you're going in, you've, you're, you've booked an appointment time, a consult. So they may have a set rate for certain areas that they want to treat, that, that you want treated. So yeah, it's all dependent upon how many units you need for whatever you want done. And then it's priced by unit. Okay, so moving on to filler, which... I'll probably have some questions too, because I always think about getting filler. Like there's different kinds that are better for different things, I think. But what are the main kinds of filler that someone can get? A hyaluronic acid filler is your common filler that's dissolvable. So, and it comes in different viscosities. There's a number of different companies that sell HA filler. Some of them have lidocaine in them. So most times you you get frozen before filler. So if you're getting your lips done, for example, your clinician or or doctor, nurse will tend to freeze the lip. You can even have a dental block to have filler put in place. So so HA or hyaluronic acid, I think there's Restylane, Juvederm, and there's Spelotero, I think it's called. Anyways, there's different viscosities for to treat different areas of, of the face. So viscosity meaning like the thickness of it? Yeah. So you wouldn't treat something that's got a really high viscosity. You wouldn't treat the lips with that. You'd probably put that under or along the jawline. And then there's two other products, which are, they refer to them as biostimulators, and that being uh, Revenes, uh, which I believe it's only 30% dissolvable with hyaluronidase. That's the product. It goes by a number of different, there's a few names. If it's only 30% dissolvable... Does that mean it's somewhat permanent? Yeah. I think Revenes actually over time dissolves, like your body breaks it down. And But then there's uh, Sculptra, which is another biostimulator. I believe that one, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about the biostimulators, but the Sculptra, I believe, is somewhat permanent. Like it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of scary. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about the, the hyaluronic acid. Like you, when you're going to an injector, you want to make sure that they have everything in their emergency toolkit to be able to manage a possible occlusion, right? Because it, it, it happens and that can be scary. So hyaluronic acid, because people always ask, how does it break down? But hyaluronic acid is already found in the body, right? 
So you're just adding more to these locations and it breaks down. It helps to stimulate collagen production as well. So, so the HA, like when you use an HA serum, for example, that it's, it absorbs a thousand times worth its molecular weight in water. It's going to draw moisture to, to the area to give that nice effect that you want from when you get a filler. After you get filler over the next little while, does it get like, I don't want to say poofier, but does it increase in volume? Not in volume, no, oh, okay. no, no. Okay, no. <laughs> I'm like, like beginners here, like asking yeah, questions. Yeah. Okay, and and you know what? Like, if if it's something you're interested in, just do your research. I recommend anybody do their research and go and see your injector or injector that you 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 trust and you're confident in their abilities and their education and licensing and ask them questions and find out what what they know and how they can guide you on what's the best decision for you. Yeah, I think it's important too to ask them like how many of this have you done? You know, like if you're wanting to get your under eye, like how do you do that and how many times a week, like, do you do that? You know, it's the same as if you're going to a surgeon, you know, you want to pick someone who does a lot of these particular things. I have seen the before and afters on Instagram with the hollow eye. It's unbelievable what it can do. Ugh. I know, I know. It's wild. And then like, cause I watch a lot of housewives, right? And I'm just like, oh my God, their faces look so nice. And I know they're full of Botox and filler, but like, it still looks really nice. Like the ones that have it done really well, it's shocking. There's some that it looks very natural and, and then there's some where it's kind of overkill. I think, I, think you can, I think you can get addicted to it really. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, you just want like more and more just like anything else. Yeah. Oh, right, right. So how long does filler last? So... I know most most people say, you know, come back in a year and we'll top you up. There have been studies and, and people who have had MRIs and, and have had filler in place for several years. So I think it depends on the person and how quickly your body reabsorbs it or breaks it down. So I can't really say an accurate timeline for that. At least a year? Oh, yeah. I don't know why I was thinking it was much shorter than that. I think I was thinking it was the same as Botox for some reason. I think they say nine to nine months to a year to go for like a, a top up or to have the treatment done or redone. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. 
Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. For filler, you pay by the vial as opposed to per unit. What would the cost be? And like how many vials does someone typically use for the most common procedures like under the eye or lip filler? Are they buying multiple vials or? So it's by the syringe. And again, it depends on what your goals are. It depends on uh, like if you want a, a full pouty lip, you can't do that in one sitting. And, and, and it depends what you're starting with. Like if you've, got very, if you've got very thin lips, like it might be unrealistic for you to go to your injector and say, oh, I want these lips and have a, a picture of somebody with big, full pouty lips, you know? It really depends on a, a thorough assessment of what your goals are, what you want you know, what you want to enhance and go from there. I mean, you can, you can have a syringe or two or even three of the lips, but you don't want to do that all in one sitting. You, you want to go back if you need a top buff, if you're not happy. I've heard the lips are really painful because imagine getting a needle in the lip, like, ugh. A lot of these newer hyaluronic acid injections or filler have lidocaine right in the syringe. So you you do a topical numbing, which you don't really feel, you don't feel it. And then with the injection of the, the filler itself, because there's lidocaine in it, you're it's numbing you even more. So oh, okay. So this is why when I see videos on Instagram and they're getting needles in their lips and not even moving, I'm like, what? <laughs> it looks awful. And I mean, some people do a dental block beforehand. If someone's really fearful of pain, they can they can go in and, and freeze the area like a dental block when you're going to the dentist. Yeah. So yeah, if you're curious about cost, you would get a consultation, explain what your goals are, and then they can kind of give you a ballpark answer for cost. Okay. And a syringe is like around $400? It depends. No, I, I would say that's lowballing it anywhere from five fifty to maybe six, seven hundred. And again, again, it depends on where you go. It depends on the product that they use. I couldn't really give you an accurate, but that's just a, a ballpark. Yeah, which is what people want to know because I think people have no idea. That's not too too bad if it lasts up to a year. So. We kind of know what filler can do cosmetically, but what are the most common things that people ask for? Lips. Yeah, that's what Lips. my girl said yeah. too. Lips and tear troughs. Yeah. Tear troughs. Is that the thing that I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. The hollowing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's under the eye. And now do you, because I did a lot of research on how the filler is done for under the eye. And so it's interesting. They put the hole down by the bottom of the nose, kind of, and then they put a cannula. So can you explain what that is? Because my whole thing was that I was terrified of a vein or like a blood vessel or something being punctured with the filler needle under the eye. A lot of injectors actually do that little puncture hole in a specific area. And then with the cannula, it's more flexible. It's more flexible. The tip is not sharp. So you tend to, you, you can't, 
puncture a blood vessel with it. You're gently inserting that cannula and getting it to the place that you want it to be. And, you know, doing your, your aspiration, like with any filler, you always aspirate first to ensure that you haven't hit a blood vessel because you never know. What does aspirate mean? Oh, it means just pulling back on the syringe. And if you see blood in the tip of the syringe, then you pull out. Because with filler, it's a lot more viscous than blood. You can, you can actually occlude a, a blood vessel with that. And I know it sounds scary, but it's, it's rare, but it's still the, it still happens. Yeah, that's the thing that really scared me when I was going over all the complications that could happen just because they have to tell you all this stuff, even though it's such a small chance, was the potential for going blind from them hitting something. And God, it's hard to do something that's not, you know, like medically required. And just because I don't want my eyes to be hollow. (laughs) Once I learned about the cannula and all the... How it minimizes risk. yeah, Yeah, then it's not as scary, but that's good to know. Is that the major complication for filler? Occlusion is is one of the major complications, yeah. Okay, and can that happen anywhere on the face? Like eyes, lips? Yeah. So if people were going to try Botox or filler, or if they were curious about it, what would you recommend that they do? Like find someone super educated, but also I'm guessing like don't go in asking for a bunch of stuff, like kind of start slow and see how you react to it and what you like. Any good injector will do a thorough assessment and find out what your what your goals are and what you want to enhance, right? Find find a good injector, find somebody who, like you said, does it regularly, that they're doing ongoing continuing education with any changes in the in the aesthetics area, that they're continuing education word of mouth and, and going on their social media maybe and checking out what their social media, you know, are they, do they have people who are, I mean, it's, it's rare for people to, in my experience, I find it's rare. Like a lot of people don't want to admit, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I have Botox and filler and I'm going to do a shout out to this injector because she did a good job on me. That's, it's, like not a lot of people are open that open and want people to know what they're having done, you know? So on my social media, I like to like, if I get, I check in with my, with my people a day after I don't do a lot of filler to be absolutely honest. I'm, I just want to be more comfortable doing that. I, I prefer, I, I do a lot of skin stuff like uh, microneedling, the peels. I do a lot of Botox and skincare consults, that type of thing. Check out the social media, see that somebody is uh, getting a lot of likes or maybe compliments. Like I said, for me, I, I do screenshots of my feedback from patients when I've texted them. So, and I just post that, you know, like just so that people can see that my, my clients are happy with what, when I followed up with them with the results, because most people are not like, hi, I'm so-and-so and I had this and this, and this is my injector and I loved her. I see some social media influencers or injectors like in the States, a lot of their people are so open. Their clients are so open about it, you know, but we're not so open here in Ontario. Not yet. <laughs> you mentioned microdermabrasion. So that's something that I've always wanted to try, but I don't necessarily totally understand what it is. It's more of a mechanical resurfacing of the skin. 
So what I picture when I hear microdermabrasion is like, you know, those nail files that are like the metal things and it's just like scraping the surface. Is that basically what it is? The device itself is a diamond tip with suction. Oh, it's suctioning. Yeah, it's suction and it's done on dry, dry, dry skin. That's how you treat. And then you follow up with a treatment or a mask or something afterward. But it's a mechanical exfoliation. So it's a, it's a good treatment. And then you've got your chemical exfoliation, which is your, your chemical peels. The thing with the micro, though, is there's, there's no downtime. So you're not you know, waiting a few days to, and your face looks all crusty and you've got a skin beard happening. And <laughs> skin beard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So are those treatments like microdermabrasion, chemical peels, is that good for anyone? Or are there some people that you would recommend not get something like that? Well, just because it is a mechanical exfoliation, anybody with rosacea, with sensitive skin, who are prone to maybe microvascular blood vessels, or I can never say this word, telangiectasia is what it's called. I don't think anyone's going to know what you're trying to say. (laughs) We don't know what that is. (laughs) Those really small blood vessels in the skin, like if you're prone to getting those, maybe microdermabrasion isn't the best treatment for you, but it's a great treatment. I sometimes for myself, I'll do microderm and then follow it up with a peel afterwards. Like my skin's pretty resilient. So I I experiment on myself all the time. (laughs) So can we talk a little bit about microneedling? what that is and what it does for someone. I'll just keep that simple as well. So there's a lot of talk about the home rollers, the microneedling. I would totally shy away from that because you can't keep it clean. So in you, it's better to do this type of treatment in office where you have a head on the device that's specifically for you. So I work under two amazing nurse practitioners at a place called Lips and Lines here in Sudbury, Lips and Lines Plus. So we use the skin pen and have recently, they have purchased the in-mode microneedling with radio frequency, which is like microneedling on steroids. Like next level. So <laughs> next level, for sure. With microneedling, we use the skin pen. So again, you have to do facial numbing with that. And it's a device that has an interchangeable head that once you remove it from your pen, there's a uh, safety mechanism in it where you cannot reinsert that back onto the pen. So that's a good feature with the skin pen. So you numb the skin, you can set the depth of your needles anywhere from 0.5 millimeters to 2.5 millimeters, depending on where you're treating. Basically numbing the skin, then you need a glide with that. Sometimes you can use PRP, which is uh, platelet-rich plasma. Is that the blood? That's the blood, yeah. That's where you do a blood draw, you spin it, and you use the liquid gold to put on your skin as you're doing the microneedling, which can be a bit costly, but it's a beautiful treatment. They call it the vampire facial? Because I remember when Kim Kardashian got it and everybody was like, what the? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I mean, PRP has been around for years. Use of it was in athletes injecting into joints when athletes had, you know, needed to 
play a sport and they were injured. So it really has a lot of growth factors and healing properties. So it, it's, it's, and now, now they're using it in um, aesthetics. So the microneedling, it's good for fine lines and wrinkles for if you've got any hyperpigmentation or melasma that helps with that. The melasma is a little bit deeper in the dermis. Sometimes you've heard of women and, and I know this is your area of expertise, the women who've had babies and developed the melasma or the pregnancy mask, right? So microneedling is really good for that as well. Those needles go certain depths within the face where you're, you know, if you're in the fat pads, you're going a little bit deeper, but just stimulate collagen. You don't see results immediately. I did with my pore size, but over time after a series of treatments and then you do a maintenance once a year, but I I really I love microneedling. Is there downtime from that? There is. Like I've I've went to work the next day and it looks like I have a sunburn and sometimes you can see the 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 lines, you know, but everybody like when I go to my day job, they're like, "Oh, what, what are you doing? What did you have done? <laughs> and what's the cost for microdermabrasion? Like just a ballpark microdermabrasion peel and then needling. Yeah, so a peel, you can pay anywhere from $75 to $150 for a peel. Microderm, again, a probably $125 to $175 for a treatment. Microneedling is a little bit more costly. You can pay up to $300 a treatment. Most places, I think, have package deals. So you, you get a better deal on your when you buy a, a series because a lot of these treatments, you need a few of them in order to really see the results in the long term. For the microneedling, how far apart do you space your treatments? One month. So one month apart and then maybe a touch up every year. Someone asked, what is a treatment that gives you the most bang for your buck? That's a difficult question because I think that's more case by case, like depending on what the goals are. So it's really hard to say, but I'm, I'm inclined to see like, what, what would you see immediate impact if that's what this person's looking for? I would say Botox, you know, because it has so many different, you know, like it, it, it really, you see the results within two weeks, right? And it's like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's so shocking. And this is a good question that we should probably talk about. So someone said, and it's my situation basically. So I started Botox, what, at 35 years old? And so if I continue to get it, continue to get it regularly, do people just continue to get it forever? Let's say for me, if I get it continuously for five years, although then you haven't been making your wrinkles for five years. So that helps too. So it's also preventative in that way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You figured that one out on your I, own. Just eh? right as I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> like hamster wheel. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that is interesting. I mean, and I know there's a lot of like, I was watching that social media influencer that ended up with the severe ptosis of her eye. I mean, some of the comments, I, I know there's a lot of people who don't really don't agree with it, right? 
but it's becoming more common. It's certainly much less of a content that you're putting in your body compared to, I mean, for someone who's being treated for spastic, for spasticity, for example, like, or, or uh, cervical dystonia, like you could inject up to 400 units in various spots, which is like doing a facial aesthetics treatment. It's a fraction of, of what, you know? So, I mean, there's a lot of controversy and I, I think if you, if you like it and you want to try it, do it. And if you don't, don't. Exactly. <laughs> you know? No, I hate when people are judgmental about that. And it's like, whenever I hear something like that, I always wonder, oh, like you must do everything perfectly. Like, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Because everyone has their own things. So if that's something that really makes you happy and you enjoy and it makes you feel good about yourself, like there's no shame in that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, this day and age, like we, we all need a little bit of a boost or something to help us feel good about ourselves. It's no different to me. I'm like, we get our hair done. We get our nails done. We like, it's just another thing. It's just newer and people are not educated about it. So they're unsure about it. That's why I like having this conversation because I get so many questions about it and I don't really know the answers, but you do. So that's good. Yeah. And I mean, this certainly is providing the basics for people. And even some injectors may have a difference of opinion from what I'm saying. I would just suggest, you know, a lot of the information I've provided today is is what I've been taught, but find a good injector and and write down the questions that you have. You know, if you think of something, don't don't do it Johnny on the spot when you get there. You know, if you want to go see somebody and you have specific questions, write them down and and talk to your person and and have everything you need to know written down so you don't miss it or forget it. When I was interested in filler, I found, I think he's like a plastic surgeon or a dermatologist or something in Australia that does a lot of really good information videos on YouTube. I don't remember what his name is or anything, but his videos were so good. So YouTube is a good, but make sure it's someone that, again, is trained, obviously. Is there like a website or even like, are there documentaries? Is there anything if people wanted to go learn more or a book that you were like, oh, that was really helpful? No, no. Like a, a lot of like my books are, are you know, medical. So a lot of the stuff that I review is all medical, but I don't know. I, I, I can't really, I don't really want to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> I would say look on YouTube because it's true. One thing is you might have all these questions and wonder all these things about filler and Botox, but like me, I can ask you casually, but when you don't know someone, I think sometimes it's you feel awkward taking up a doctor or a nurse's time. You know, you feel like you're rushed in appointments sometimes. Anyways, like that's just in general, I think, to go see a doctor or do an appointment. So if you have all these questions, sometimes it might be hard to get them answered. But yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll try and find that guy and I'm going to put a link in the episode notes to his YouTube because I think that would be a good place for people if they're just curious. I'll send you a link of if it's the same gentleman, which I, I'm sure it is, like he's, 
he's really good and he's very knowledgeable. And I've saved a couple of videos, like one girl where he did like a full face, like, you know, filler and Botox and he did it over time. And she looked amazing when he was done with her, you know? Yeah. And one thing I think from learning yourself, it also helps you understand what questions to ask when you do go see someone that's what I found. Cause then I was able to be like, do you use a cannula? Like, do you do this, like the filler this way? Because otherwise I would have had no idea that that's how it's done. But, and it's all like, I mean, for your injector, it's all personal preference. Like some injectors prefer to just use needles for the lips, you know, they're, they feel as though it's more accurate to, to do the lips with a needle. They have, it, they can be more precise and, and hit certain areas that they want to. Another person, I see, I don't know if I can, do, do you recommend people on social media to follow? No, if you have people on Instagram that have like in lots of information on their account, let me know and I'll put them in the episode notes as well. Okay. Okay. I will. I'll send you. Cool. Well, thanks for chatting with me. This was nice. You're very welcome. It was very nice to actually talk to you in person because most of the time I'm watching your story and talking to you <laughs> when, you're, when you're saying stuff or doing stuff. I'm like, no, no, try this or try that. And then I'll type it in, you know. Send emoji. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, when I visit this summer, hopefully when lockdown is over, I would like to try the the needling or, or microdermabrasion or something. So we'll do that. And then I'll story it and it'll be fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That would be fun. And uh, actually I was talking to Jen and uh, Claire. Those are the nurse practitioners that own the NP clinic. It's their uh, lips and lines plus. That's where I, I do my treatments. I was talking to them and they said, well, you know, like tell her to come and see us when she comes oh, to town. Oh, <laughs> damn. Oh yeah. I think they've messaged me a couple of times. They're like, you're so funny. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Jen probably. Yeah. She's awesome. They're, they're, these girls are very talented. They, they are hardworking and really work at educating themselves. And, and that's, that's what you want in, in an injector for sure. Awesome. Okay, I'm going to put their link in the episode notes as well. And if people are wondering, they're located in Sudbury, Ontario, because I don't know if people know that. But yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.